Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. We are so excited for the episode that we have in store for you today. Yes, we have a very special guest on. Everyone, welcome Landon. Hello, Little drummer. everybody. <laughs> excited to be here. Thank you for joining us. We're so excited to have you on the episode. You are our very first Christian outside of our own church that we've had on as a guest, as just a person to come on here and join us. So we're super excited about this episode and to bring more people into our little circle of, I guess, advice and, and he reached out to us, podcast right? family. Yeah, yeah, I believe he did. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I think is really cool that the Single to Seal podcast is kind of getting a little reach, you know, outside of our own little community. So mm-hmm. it's really awesome. How did you end up hearing about the podcast? Um, well, wanting to promote my book as much as possible, I kind of just DM'd a bunch of different podcasts that had um, some sort of like Christian ties. Uh, and I y'all came up in the Instagram search, so good job on your marketing. Um, it's meant easy, to be pretty easy to find, and good marketing. <laughs> I like your little logo; it's nice. Uh, oh, thank you. And, so basically, he's was... just here to promote himself. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care I have about all you. Three <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it's a minority motivation. I will admit. Yes, but, uh... <laughs> we're all on the same team, so we can all promote each other. That's the beauty oh, of yeah. this of this kind of vein of information of Christian dating. Yeah, I've never been I've never been like the first of anything. So this is this is exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are we are excited to have you. A little bit of information about Landon. So Landon Swain is a non-denominational Christian. He was historically Baptist. He is an author, content creator, speaker, lyricist, and playwright who will be publishing his first book, which he shamelessly plugged, The Detox <laughs> Christian Dating, and Examination and Detoxification of Christian Dating Culture. And this is expected to come out in the mid-October of this year, which is 2021. He's a graduate of Liberty University and currently works for a parachurch ministry. So I am curious, you said that you're a, a playwright. Where did that yeah. hobby come from, or how many plays have you written? Ah. Uh... It's probably like around like six plays. I did theater in high school and a little bit of middle school, um, and it was basically, it was basically just direct parody of whatever play we were doing at the time. Like if you, like uh, we did, um, you can't take it with you. And the first play I ever wrote is like, it's called um, "You're Your Own Worst Enemy," and it's literally like almost the exact plot, almost the exact characters. It's just a little different, and then it's significantly worse writing. Because uh, I was like a freshman in, in high school, and it was like, it, like I I reread them uh, not that long ago, and I was like, wow, this is bad. Um, but I I still um, I have a few of them. One of them, one of them I like. One of them I'm like, oh, I'm proud of this. Um, and uh, it's up on a publishing house, and I get royalties from it. So I mean, it's an extra six dollars a month. So yeah, <laughs> it's something. 
that's pretty cool. That is really cool. I was a theater geek in high school too, so oh. I, I catch what you're. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> oh, you, I, you wrote plays too. I did not write plays. I wasn't that awesome at it, but I, <laughs> I, I we did a bunch of musicals and plays. We did like the musical, and we did Midsummer Night's Dream. We did I'm trying to think now. My mind just went blank. We did Sleeping Beauty. We did The Crucible. Oh, um, I've seen that. Yeah, my brother was in that. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Oh, we did Guys and Dolls and Crazy for You. I've um, I've been so out of since I got to college. I completely stopped doing theater, which is weird because I was gonna go to college to be a theater major originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and once I got to college and just got a job, I I completely like fell out of the culture. I still like keep up with the Tony Awards just because it's fun and mm-hmm. I love love a good musical. But I I like. I don't know how I knew so much about theater at the time. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it just I guess when you're just immersed in it, it's just so easy. But it, like once once you get out of it, like it's really hard to keep up because there's just so mm-hmm. much. And it's constantly evolving and changing. And there's constantly new um, like stars and actors and actresses that are coming onto like Broadway and like big names. So yeah, it's it's a pretty big thing. We were, we actually just saw The Lion King on Broadway. Was it was it last weekend? Yeah, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Oh my! Yeah, um, it was amazing. My high school theater director's wife was. Uh, she worked backstage at the Lion King on Broadway for like ten that years. Was so cool. Um, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Victorious, like the TV show? I have seen like parts of it, but never episodes. Jerry's seen it though, I think. Yeah, a while okay. back. So so Leon Thomas the third, who played Andre on that show, like the 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 really talented kid with uh, I don't even know. What, kind of hairstyle that is uh but uh, like he was like the kid that would play like a million yeah yeah he would play like a million instruments he um he was the first young Simba so she's like really good friends with them uh from our time that she worked on there and then um her husband was on Broadway as an actor uh in a Shakespeare play with the guy who played Voldemort in Harry Potter oh cool yeah, so he's pretty like, cool. Yeah, it's like uh, I have like all this like weird Broadway insider knowledge. And connections. Uh, <laughs> too bad, too bad I stopped doing theater and could never cash in on those. But oh well. Yeah, it is really a wonderful experience. If any of you guys have never had a chance to see a Broadway production, I definitely recommend it. It's it's everything that you wish your high school productions could have been. Yeah. <laughs> and you're it's like, true. how are they moving so perfectly? Like. <laughs> It's literally a perfect performance every night. It's so amazing. It's totally worth doing. Yeah. Oh, man. I miss awesome. It. Well, thank you for letting us go on that little tangent and share a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> I do have another question about you. So I'm assuming you grew up Baptist, correct? Yeah, yeah. So to, uh, yeah. what was your journey of like finding like your faith and your connection to God and, and what really brought you down this this path that you're on now talking about dating and, and being a Christian? Uh, so writing a I book. Grew- yeah, uh, trust me, I did not think that I was going to be in this situation. Uh, <laughs> it it kind of came out of nowhere. So, grew up going to church. I went to this uh, very like old school Baptist church um, in a place called Bedford, Virginia, uh, and learned a lot about God and Jesus in the Bible. And like always, kind of like didn't really have a problem believing in God ex- in existence. It was more just like a matter of like it was never a personal thing. Um, and I like like every kid, I kind of just grow up doing normal kid things. Uh, and it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school that I was sitting there cheating on a test. Uh, it, I, I, it was like, it was in a foreign language or something like I, I couldn't do anything. It was, it was a Spanish test. Um, <laughs> so it literally was in a foreign language. Uh, but I, I was cheating and the girl beside me caught me and she called me out on it. And I just like 
went home and reevaluated my life and I was like, okay, why did I why on earth did I do that? Um like I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but I didn't care until I was like faced with the possibility of punishment. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's when, like, the, like the gospel, like the good news of of, of grace and, and how like it's unmerited favor, just like made it like clicked. Um, and it was it was just so beautiful. Like Jesus knowing that I had done all of that and still going to the cross and dying for me, I was like, that's that's crazy. Like mm-hmm. it, it it like I don't know, just all sort of made sense um, in that moment. So I became Christian in my bedroom. Actually, it's in like three days is will be like seven years since that oh, happened. Wow. Um, so uh, it was a few days before it was my dog's birthday. That's the only reason I remember what day it was. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, big, a lot of big happenings. Um, and yeah, and then just kind of went through high school, uh, got involved in the the job that I have now um, was big in my discipleship. Um, got involved with that organization and got involved in the youth group. And then uh, I went to like, like I don't like most denominational churches. They're basically just Baptist, anyways. So I'd <laughs> I'd say that I'm like still technically Baptist, but I'm very open minded, and I'm not like married to like oh I, everything has to be what oh, what a Baptist says. Like if it, if I mm-hmm. if I read the Bible and I'm like okay I don't really see this lining up on a traditional Baptist belief, I'm down to not believe it. But I like traditionally have gone to. Baptist Church, uh, the church I go to now, I just very recently moved to Pennsylvania. Uh, is I don't even, I guess they're not denominational. They're it's just called like Davisville Church. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. All I know is like when I hear what they're saying on up on stage, I'm like, okay, that matches up with yeah, what I'm reading. With that. So I'm like, so I'm like, ah, I don't. They could be, they could be whatever for all I care, as long as it's accurate. Mm-hmm. So, as long as you feel closer to God by listening to it and, and being there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I, I have a good sense of community. They're very nuanced. They're very um they're very inspirational in in and it I think I the part of the reason I connected with them so well is because they're so like we're gonna hear out like different opposing views, but here's why we believe what we believe and they mm-hmm. do it in such a very respectful way. Um and they like nuance, which is part of why I wanted to write the book, is I wanted to start nuanced conversations about Christian dating because uh, from going to Liberty University, uh, I had this job where I hosted a large variety show. Uh, those We'd do like skits and maybe music acts and different things like that. And we wanted to do a themed one after late night television shows. So like a little bit of carpool karaoke, a little bit of uh, uh, Wheel of Musical Impressions, all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And we wanted to do a John Oliver research report where he like takes like a topic like uh, the WWE and then kind of exposes some that's like not great parts, uh, but yeah. does it in a very comedic way. And I was like, oh, I can like make fun of dating at Liberty easy <laughs> uh, because like it it had always been this like complicated thing and people would just say this stuff like they'd say they'd like break up with people by bringing God into it. And it was like kind of manipulative and mm-hmm. people would have these weird motivations for, for rushing into marriages. And I'm like, I mean, I hope people thrive if they, regardless of how long it takes for them to get married. Mm-hmm. But like, it was just like uh, people just jumping into relationships and it seemed like people were going to uh, engage left and right. And then even like some weird pressures that were there within the culture. I was like, I don't really like this. And so 
I'd gotten some surveys for the skit and got to see what people actually thought about the culture and then reached out to some people at some other Christian colleges around the, the country and uh, was finding it similar experiences. And the more that I've talked to people, the more I've realized that there's that this, this is a multi-denominational, multi-regional, multi-generational issue uh, mm-hmm. that largely hasn't been addressed. Um, and it's a lot of things that need to be talked about or we're weird about it when we do talk about it. Um, and people just not having either respect for the authority of God's word or not having no respect or love for their fellow human beings, like just providing a complete lack of clarity, no clarity mm-hmm. whatsoever. Uh, on and manipulation too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Cause as, as people that know God, knowing that God is love and knowing like the great love of the gospel uh, that it makes sense that we would know how to love other people well since we know the greatest love that there ever was is or will be mm-hmm. and so it was like why are we so bad at it uh, and so then uh, what was going to be a skit turned into uh, a book it also helped that a pandemic hit and so I had way too much time on my hands <laughs> uh, so yeah, it just all kind of came together, um, and I can't. I honestly can't believe that uh, today was supposed to be the start of the pre-orders, uh, but that kind of got delayed because of a issue with the cover. But um, yeah, like it's it's crazy that it's over a year and a half of work, and it's it's almost here. Yep, I can definitely agree with this whole you know multi generational, you know multi regional, dominate like and denominational issue. Um, and, you know, Landon and I were talking about this just earlier. He was saying, you know, some of the things he'd heard about uh, BYU students. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he was like, is that true? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he was like, that's crazy. <laughs> I was like, you can't believe everything you read on the Internet. But I yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And some of the some of the things that people do, like he's saying, to manipulate or to justify like their actions. And I just... broke up with Jerry the first time. We, well, the first time and only time we broke up. By saying by bringing God into it, so I'm totally, oh. <laughs> I'm totally guilty of that. Oh, when he said that, I was like, oh gosh, that was me. I was like, not- I, I told him, I was like, I, I think I'm receiving revelation from God that we're not supposed to be together. And he's all like, well, I've received different revelation. I feel really good about this relationship. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm sorry, bye. Like that was pretty much it. And then like two weeks later, I was like, that was a really bad decision. I think I was just scared of commitment, <laughs> and I was blaming God. <laughs> that's the thing. That the one of the one of the ways that I've seen people break up with people is they'll say stuff like uh i just don't have peace from god about this mm-hmm. and it's like okay i can i can see why that in some situations where that could be totally legit and i know for me personally like i've I've had situations where i'm like i, I don't know something's off here mm-hmm. um but then like there's a difference between that and normal human nerves about a relationship exactly that people will be like no that's god saying this shouldn't happen as if a married couple on their wedding day when the bride is walking down the aisle as if both of them aren't nervous yeah <laughs> but by some people's logic because they're nervous that means that god's saying oh no don't you dare mm-hmm. and it's like what, what like we take like the human aspect out of it entirely like nerves aren't a signal that something is instantly wrong mm-hmm. yep I totally agree. And I was I was totally afraid of commitment. I, I liked Jerry so much when I was dating him that I knew that if I continued to date him, we were going to get married. And I think that just like really freaked me out because I was like, oh, my gosh, I see my future 
and I I don't know if I'm ready. And I, I just was like, okay, well, this nervousness about us getting married is God telling me it's not right. So I'm just going to tell him that it's not right. I like how that's going to work. I like how you said that you had a revelation and then he was like, well, God gave me a very different revelation. (laughs) (laughs) You dealed it out and he gave it right back. Yeah. But he was so respectful about it. Like, he's like, well, I can't argue with your revelation. Like, even though I've received a different answer, like I can't, I can't argue with that. So I guess this is it. And like, I really respected that about him because I felt like he really cared about how I was feeling instead of being like, well, I've received something different, so we should just be together kind of thing. Like it was just, yeah, that yeah. was something that made me feel safe going back to him. Cause I was like, this guy actually respects like what I have to say and what I'm feeling. And he's not pushing me into something. It was well, that's the thing really though, nice. is you also can't take away the fact that that, that can be a reality. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. people can receive that revelation, <laughs> you know? So it's not my place to tell you that yours is fake, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. people, yeah. But people can have that happen to them. You just, have to be careful not to be using that as an excuse for your own like insecurities well i think we yeah. totally take our when we say that when we, we use that excuse we totally take and discredit our own agency and free will and feelings and one of the big reasons we're down here on this earth that god sent us here was to practice agency and our our free will and you know i i have a very strong opinion that god isn't up there wanting to micromanage every aspect of our life sure he cares about like who we end up with and who we marry and we fall in love with but he's not gonna tell you exactly what to do he's not gonna be like oh i don't really like him so i'm gonna give you revelation right now that you shouldn't be with him because that takes away our free agency and our free will to choose now if we ask him if we pray to him and we're like hey is this a good guy or is this a, a good girl and he can tell us like mm, maybe maybe not you know but ultimately it's your decision he can give you a little bit of guidance but he's not gonna tell you yes or no that's how i feel at least for revelation he'll give you a little nudge but he's not going to, he's not there to like, like I said, micromanage our lives to the, the every detail. Yeah. We're um, not supposed to be instructed in all things that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need to be able to make a lot of our own choices and, and uh, of course, weighing with God, but imagine, imagine just sitting there, you know, at a crossroad saying, I, I need to go left or right, but I'm not sure which way to go. So I'm going to wait until I get the strong revelation. <laughs> <laughs> which direction I go? Like, that'd be a terrible life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm a, that's why I, I'm such a big fan of like going back to the scripture and being like, okay, this isn't going to tell me, hey, you should date Brad or not. Mm-hmm. But it is going to tell me like, okay, these are qualities that, that God finds uh, good in a human mm-hmm. being. These are, these are things that he's saying, this is good for an elder to have. This is good for um, for a, a wife to have. This is a good thing for a woman to a value. And kind of basing those decisions off of okay is this person how do they treat others are they even remotely kind mm-hmm. uh are they like uh, proverbs 31 a lot of it is really just about like work ethic like does she is she mm-hmm. getting after it is she like how does she what where's her like values lie as far as like taking care of people and and being there for people and it's not all just like is she pretty like, which, yep. which, which I think that, I think that part of the culture, some people like to completely discredit physical attraction. Like they act like it's completely shallow to want to be attracted to your spouse. And I think that that's kind of idiotic oh, and, and, and unrealistic, but there's some people that like, like uh, Proverbs 31 talks about like charms deceitful and beauty is vain, but one refers the Lord is to be praised. 
yes and amen. And and so yes, ultimately like beauty does like fade. But I don't think that that means that okay, if you even can remotely consider whether someone is attractive or not, then you are shallow and your standards are entirely wrong. It's like, bro, like I'm a, <laughs> like if I cringe at the thought of kissing somebody, that's probably going to be an issue for our marriage. Yeah, cuz intimacy is a big part of having a close and happy marriage so you have to be able to be physically intimate with the person that you're marrying and planning and having kids with and yeah it's totally it's totally a big thing and there's a difference in mindset you know between saying ah that that chick she's uggo you know (laughs) she's uh, she's just straight ugly like you know versus you know that 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 person's not my type you know i'm not physically because every everybody can have the opportunity to find somebody who's going to love them for how they look and how they are 100 percent you know so when people try to make fun of the whole like you know she's not in my league you know i do i do believe that there are different types of leagues there are different types of leagues of people who are attracted to each other and that's totally fine you know you just you have to be able to find somebody who's going to like you for you and and so that you're not like faking you know or or making yourself up to be somebody if who you hope to be with yeah yeah we're so we're so like trained from our upbringing and just different life experiences. Uh, I'd love to know like the exact psychology of like why we're attracted to the typical types that we are. Um, but I believe it's a lot of it has to do with like nurture and just like your formative years. Like if you watched a particular TV show when you were growing up and you liked the character, um, I imagine that has like a large reason for why you're attracted to a particular type of person. And it's like, bro, I can't help it. Like, it's like, it's not my fault that I don't find everybody attractive. I think there's a big difference between not finding everybody attractive and recognizing the fact that everybody's made in the image of God. I think that it's like you can recognize the like value of every human being, but also not be attracted to everyone. And people mm-hmm. will take passages like uh, 1 Samuel 16, where it's uh, talking about it's King David and they're saying... Uh, do not consider his height or his stature because the Lord looks at the heart. And it's like, bro, that passage is talking about choosing a king for Israel. It's not talking about choosing a <laughs> husband. And people just, that that is kind of like a prime example of how people take a scriptural passage out of context. Mm-hmm. And, and just over time has distorted it in a way that it's like, don't even dare consider a, like a physical attraction element. Yes, a character like a like a like the content of someone's character significantly more important not mm-hmm. saying that it's not but i feel like you're you're asking for trouble and you're being very unrealistic if you're like eh, if you think that this girl is in jerry's words uggo <laughs> <laughs> like i feel like you are you are a moron if you're like i'm gonna marry this girl that i do not find physically attractive at all but at least she's a little bit nice. Yeah. Also, who on the receiving end of that? Who wants to be with somebody that's like, right? eh, she's not much to look at. You're not at doing them a favor. Yeah. Like, that, so from, I, I feel like this general statement might get torn apart by somebody, but everybody has somebody that is likely attracted to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know that there's like probably some extreme situation of like somebody has some sort of condition or something like that there they might say like no no one is or something like that but i don't know like that i feel like there's somebody for everybody and mm-hmm. some people can just get into those places like i've seen people get married and i'm like 
it ain't for me. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just from like a personality perspective. So there's somebody for everybody, but that's yep. also not saying that everybody's going to get married. But like, yeah. yeah, there's you can make something work with just about anybody. Yeah, and I definitely think it's important to hold on to that perspective that sometimes people can get in their feelings, even in the worst of circumstances. You know, knowing people growing up um, in my own dating experiences who, you know, may or maybe wheelchair bound, you know, or had, or, or someone, let's say, who has dwarfism or something. Obviously, those are things to think about all the time because they feel like their pool of people who they're going to fall in love with is limited, which is probably true. It really is. In a harsh reality, it really is. Like yeah. It's going to be harder for them to find somebody who's going to want to be with with that type of person, not that they're a bad person, you know, but it's going to be harder to find that love, you know, which I think in some situations, you know, makes this new world of like um, dating apps and things like that so valuable because even those people can go on a dating app and instantly match with somebody who's going to look past those things and choose you. And they already know right off the bat that they like them because they matched with them. Yeah. 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 So it takes that whole guessing game out of it. But kind of to add on one last thing to what you're saying about attraction, I have a really good friend that always talked about how like in the gospel and in our lives in general, letting the pendulum swing too far to one side or the other is a dangerous thing. So like we're saying, like with attraction, like saying that attraction doesn't matter at all and that you're evil and horrible for, you know, valuing attraction as part of the dating world and part of meeting people is bad. But also going the opposite way and saying that like, you know, the opposite thing is true is just as bad. So you need to find that happy medium of saying, you know, attraction is important. It's not everything, but it is one of the top things on your list of finding a person. I want to find someone who I'm mutually attractive or attracted to. Um, yeah. And and it's the same thing with all things in dating and in life. Like you need, you want to stay about, about in the middle. You don't want to swing too far <laughs> either way. Otherwise you're getting to be a little bit extreme. So there's a, there's just a finding happy, that happy medium. Yeah, there's a happy medium for just about anything. And and like you said, people just want to go to such extremes of mm-hmm. like it has to be just like this or it has to be just like this. And it's like, man, I feel like that, that that's part of why like I'm I'm so big on nuance in the book and just in life where it's like there's a lot of things that there's both sides can make a, a good point mm-hmm. on on a truthful thing. Um, and, and two things can be true at the same time. And people, especially you see even in like political climates, it's like people don't want to admit that the other side has the capability of making a good point uh, just because they're only obsessed with their own particular view. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I could recognize that like somewhat of the typically opposite political party that if a, a statistic comes up and it's accurate, I can't dismiss a statistic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, I don't know. It's I don't want to get political, but but like <laughs> you know, it, it, I I just hate the polarization of everything, and I really do think that a, a lot of times, especially in dating things, the truth is in a nice middle ground, recognizing different people's boundaries, recognizing their struggles, recognizing their experiences, uh, and and kind of working with different people because like. Like some people might have a big conviction about like any and all forms of physical touch. Like they might be like, I don't even want to handhold somebody. And it's like, like for me, I'm like, I don't really see why that's, that would be a big deal for me. Like I'm like, it's it's holding a hand. Like I feel like it's Mm -hmm. very different, Uh, but I can recognize it for some people. They have that conviction and they know their experience. Um, And so it's like, yeah, like I can, I don't have to think that you're being um, a funny dud for saying that. But I'm also like, 
I don't need to the extremes is back to yeah. the extremes thing mm-hmm. yeah it's like a happy medium of like okay you have that conviction i don't i can respect your conviction and we can make this work despite having very different convictions about some things mm-hmm. i like that so now if we were to talk about kind of change like shift gears here and talk about your book what would the main things that you would detox about christian dating if you had the chance to Oh, man. If I could sit down every single person. <laughs> um, one, I'd say I'd say big one is the, the cultural pressures. And it's not just with it's it's like I, th- I think my primary audience is Christian colleges, like Christian college students, because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think that it kind of starts there and then spreads out into their churches back home or the Christian colleges are a reflection of what is being taught at the churches to the youth. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think it really generational change starts with the next generation. So I'd say like just addressing some of those pressures head on and realizing that there's like a, a nuance to it, realizing that like I got like I had a professor, a professor that I love, told our class that if we are not married by the time that we left our college, married or engaged, that we were making a huge mistake. And it's like, bro, I'm a, I'm like a junior in college. Like I'm, I'm, I'm failing your class. And you're making me more worried about getting an engagement. You're, you're treating getting an engagement ring like it's a graduation requirement. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that in an environment like a Christian college, if you are a Christian, you're probably not going to meet this many. There's like not many this many options. You have a great pool to kind of mm-hmm. work with. And I get that aspect of it, but it's like that I don't need that pressure of mm-hmm. I feel like I have to be married by the time I graduate um, because people will take the, the one of the main pressures I talk about is uh, the median age of marriage statistic gets brought up a lot. Um, uh, it's and I mean it's like I think since like the 1970s it's risen over like six years for both men and women. Um, so I mean, like it's true that the the average age that people get married in the U.S. is growing. So like people used to get married for like first time back at, when they were like twenty two, and now mm-hmm. it's of course like twenty eight. But people will always say that in such a negative connotation, like mm-hmm. it's like oh something's wrong with you because you're getting married at twenty eight and not twenty two, and it's like, well, I mean. A lot is a a lot of things are a factor in the fact that maybe I didn't get married then. Like, well, they had to take into account that back when it, it was normal to get married between like eighteen and twenty two, that women also didn't have a whole lot of options, so yeah. they had to get married. You know, they couldn't really work a job, and they their main job was mostly to have babies. Nowadays, you know, most women and men are all attending college. And also the financial climate is a lot different. You can't even afford to buy a house till you're like mid twenties, usually if you can and pay it pay is way lower. Like you can't just marry someone and provide for a family right off the bat at 20 years old. So people are trying to get more financially stable. They're trying to get more educated. Most jobs nowadays need way more education than they needed even 20 years ago. And just, there's so many things that go into the changing and evolving of the age of marriage. There's a there's a woman named Moira Weigel. I think she's I don't, I don't think she's like any sort of like Christian writer. I think she's just like a secular writer. But she wrote a book called 
um, labor of love. And it talks about how the economy actually has like probably a bigger impact on dating than just about anything because she goes through like the history of like World War II when men primarily were fighting a war, women entered the workforce. And before World War II, it was a lot of like women kind of had to rely on men for everything. And then mm-hmm. once women entered the workforce, it became like, oh, like I don't have to get married right now because I'm not going to starve to death or be yeah. living off my parents because now I have a job. And it was really fascinating how, how she how she played it out and it like made sense as far as like the cultural shifts that have come uh as as women have gotten into the workforce more um really fascinating read but yeah i totally agree that it's just a very different time that we live in um and and so just like making somebody feel like they're making a mistake if they're not married by 22 is just or there's something wrong with them yeah, it's like nothing's wrong with me. It's just like maybe I haven't met anybody. Maybe there's nobody around me that I'm like, this seems like a good option. Uh, some people get into long relationships and then it doesn't end up working out. And it's like people act like they're expired milk if they're 25 or 27 <laughs> and they're not. You're undrinkable married. now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, Down what? The drain. yeah, I've, I've seen such like a weird stigmatizing. Like I've, I have friends who are like, yeah, I got asked out by like a 26 year old and they acted like they got asked out by somebody from a nursing home. And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, there's like, I can get like, there's, you might be like a little weirded out by age differences. Like, that's fine. But it was like, he's four years older than you. Mm-hmm. If that, it's like, you don't have to be weirded out by that. Um, yeah. At a, at a certain age, it's weird how that's like a thing, you know, just think about the difference between 16 to 20. You know, or or 18 to 22, like the farther you get in age, like the more people don't care. Like you see adults all the time that are married and they're like 10 years apart. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, okay, why isn't that weird? But, (laughs) yeah, you know, between 20 and 30, it's super weird. Yeah, it's really interesting how that how that all occurs. Yeah. And people are I get to like, like you were saying, like 18 to 22, they're two very different stages of life. Like one just graduated high school. The other one just graduated college. and so, like, I can recognize that there's, like, those differences, but it's, like, I don't have to pretend, like, you are ancient and yeah. I'm an infant. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know, it's, I just don't like treating people like something's wrong with them just because they're a little older and single. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Christianity has done a very poor job of handling how they look at singles. They look at them like they're diseased, like they need to be cured of this, or they look at them like something's wrong with them or it's just like a pity party for mm-hmm. single people and it's like no like singleness is a great thing first corinthians 7 paul talks about how it's great if someone's single and and that's not even to say something like that is not a diss to families it's not a diss to relationships it's just a recognition of the uh the, the respect that is due to something that that the Bible calls good. I mean, you look at John the Baptist, you look at Jesus himself, you look at, uh, you look at Paul. I mean, these are people that were in, in their earthly lives were single and it's like that they, they walked the earth and did not have spouses, uh, at least mm-hmm. according to record. And it's like, okay, well, why do we have such high respect for their singleness? But Maggie, who's a junior in college, we make her seem like she's making a mistake. And it's just, <laughs> it's like it's 
it's respecting the personhood and and the full dignity of either relationship status. Uh, I I I wish that we taught people better. Uh, well, yeah, concerning that, a hundred percent, and 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 it makes you kind of wonder what causes people to feel like they're not a full person if they're not married. And the only thing I can think of is literally sex. It's like, are we looking at someone who's not married as a less of a person because they haven't experienced that partnership and that like intimacy? Is is that where this stems from? Like, it kind of makes you wonder, like, where, do, where is this beginning? Why, why do every time you go to a family reunion, your aunt asks you why you're not married yet <laughs> or why you're not dating anyone? And why is that okay for them to do that and to like badger you about that? You know, why is it okay for your professor to get up there and badger you about not being married, right? And all those things, all those pressures, where does that, where does that come from? I think, that, I think that your, your point of like sex is a big one. Uh, I think that that's part of it. I think that especially for like an aunt or the professor that I had was a little older. They, they're coming from a very different generation where it was like everybody got married. Uh, and, and it's, it's from the, those past eras of like family was, everything and not a lot of people were single um so they're they're dealing with like what they went through and it's not like like in their mind they're wishing people a good thing and marriage is a great thing i'm not dissing marriage at all i have the utmost respect for marriage it's just when we make it out to seem like it's the ultimate thing that's when i have an issue um and i think another aspect of it is is kind of the the hollywood like this is your other half thing as if someone's life didn't begin until a significant other walked into the picture i think that that's ridiculous because my life began when my life began not not when somebody because by that logic my life hasn't begun because i'm not dating anybody yeah you were you came out of the birth canal and you were half a person (laughs) yeah and it's like no like i'm not missing a part of me i i a spouse would be i mean like i want to get married a spouse would be a great addition to my life but they are not the entirety of my life yeah i think that's really good insight yeah i love that what other what other cultural pressures are you are you noticing uh notice a big one towards kind of speaking of sex uh multiplication being a big one uh people will take passages like uh like the command to be fruitful, multiply that we see in, in Genesis, uh, which if you're looking at the very specific context of Adam and Eve, it was like, okay, yeah, they definitely needed to get cracking what with uh, populating the earth and whatnot. So <laughs> thankful that they did. But it's like people will take be fruitful and multiply and make it out to be this mandate of you need to, ha- you need to get married because you need to have kids. And it's like, okay, a couple of issues that we're running into here. One, not everybody that even gets married is able to have kids. I, I, we, see it, we see it in the Bible with people like Sarah and, uh, and Rachel and, all, and uh, Elizabeth and all these different women. Like, it's a very real reality that like, some people have trouble having kids. Uh, and that also like kind of plays into the pressure to get married really early because like people don't want to wait too long with such like an, uh, idolization is a strong word, but I feel like it's a little accurate. The idolization of having kids, it's like people just put so much pressure on you to have kids that people 
feel like they need to get married super early. And that's not a diss to having kids, but it's like, man, I feel like the larger emphasis of scripture is making disciples. And that can be a biological kid. That could be an adopted kid. That could be a foster care kid. But a, a person that is single can also make disciples. Paul was able to make disciples and was being faithful to be fruitful and multiply by multiplying out spiritual children like Timothy and Onesimus. And so when we make the emphasis of the church discipleship instead of just you need to get married and have kids, which is something that not everybody is going to be able to do anyways, we are being more biblically accurate because that's literally the Great Commission, uh, and, and we're being more inclusive of both relationship statuses. Yeah, I like that. Neither of the first first and great commandment commandments are talking about your marital status. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like how and and and, and kind of one that ties into it uh, to that pressure is um, it's not good for man to be alone, and it's like okay, well, how exactly was Jesus, John the Baptist, or Paul in alignment with? It is not good for men to be alone if people only take that to mean you have to get married. And it's because they were surrounded by community. They were making disciples. Like they, they, these dudes like went around with other people. Paul was writing to churches all the time. John the Baptist had his disciples. Jesus had the 12 disciples. Like these people were surrounded by community. Like a, a single life, for however how long, it's not designed to be a lonely life. And, and we need to like shift away from, I can get like, people want to have a romantic partner that's that's a great desire and i'm not dissing that at all but it's just like you're not lesser because just because you're you're not dating anybody as i say in the book uh your worth is not determined by who's holding your hand it's determined by who made your hand i love that that's awesome and i and the the vibe i'm getting from what you're saying right now is you know, being a, a single Christian isn't about checking the boxes. I mean, sure, there's a commandment to multiply and replenish the earth. Sure, it's not good for man to be alone. But that doesn't mean that just because it's not good for man to be alone, that you should go out and marry the next thing that walks in the door, right? Just exactly. to be married, just to not be alone. Doesn't mean exactly. that you should get married to someone and ha- pop out 10 kids just because we're commanded to multiply and replenish the earth. You know, it's all dependent upon you and your situation. And really, you should be dating and marrying someone because you love them and because you want to be with them forever and because you're looking for like because you love them specifically in your life and not just because you're trying to fill a gap or check a box so that you can be the perfect christian person who's not single and who's having kids that's not how god wants it to be for us either yeah as great as marriage is and relationships are it's it's not the ultimate thing and we there's this status surrounding being married. And it's, it's kind of weird me being a single person telling two married people <laughs> about this, but like, like there's this status of like, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a husband. And that's great for people. I am not, I like love the fact that you guys are married and I am not looking down on anybody that is married. But I feel like that when it's such an elevated status, it's, I feel like a lot of people are, they're more excited for the wedding than they are for the marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's like a weird, like we've made it out to be, the, it's a great day. Like it's uh, one of my friends just got married and it's like, I have no, no doubt that she had a great day, but like, that's not the entirety of everything. We shouldn't be basing everything surrounding 
that one day and and just the status of whatever. Like if she was only prepared for that day and not prepared for the rest of marriage, had done no prep, almost guarantee you it's going to fall apart. And yeah, no. Uh, in my personal experience, I'll go ahead and say that uh, wedding days are so overrated. And honestly, <laughs> just to add something right here, it's crazy that we spend like I think it was an average of like forty thousand dollars on our weddings. Oh, it's crazy. And then you think about how quickly lots of relationships fall apart after marriage, and you're like, what if we put instead of forty thousand dollars into one day, we put forty thousand dollars and did counseling once a week as a couple for the duration of our marriage. Oh, or yeah. we took that money and used it to go on vacations one-on-one and used it as ways to bond and be a stronger couple. Like we spend so much money and time and effort into putting on this face for our wedding day. But then like the rest of our marriage, like we'll figure it out. <laughs> like It's like, where are we putting our value when it comes to marrying someone? Yeah, because our wedding days in ourselves are our cultural pressure. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that if I don't have all these things, if my wedding doesn't have all these factors, it's it, it's not as good as my friends. You so know? my marriage isn't as good. Yeah, it's, it's not like as good. Reflecting on your marriage. Yeah, I'm not putting enough into it, you know. And so this wedding isn't isn't all pompous enough, yeah. you know. And so I mean, I've seen some of the craziest craziest wedding venues and things people have done for, it. and I'm I'm glad that they they did it and they had a fun time, you know. But I think we definitely need to get away from the amount of energy, you know. And perfection that is a wedding day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, like I've, I went to a wedding a few months ago and it was a gorgeous venue, great food. Like it, it was a beautiful wedding. And it was like, I, I'm not like claiming that they're shallow or they're, they're idiots. Like the guy's like, a, he's like in finance. So he knows like what like the cost is and, and it's like a smart guy as far as all that. And I think that one of their parents is paying for a lot of it, but it was like, I mean, it, it, I would have loved them if they had if they had served us cheese cubes and and ham like that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a as the as I think part of it starts with the people that are going to a wedding. We need to not be complaining about like, oh, this wasn't like food's not that good or whatever. It's like, bro, you're there to celebrate the people mm-hmm. and the covenant that they are making to one another at before God. Like that is that is what is being celebrated here. If I happen to get a nice slice of cake at the end of it, good. I'm I'm thrilled. But it's that's not what the whole thing is about. I think that the pandemic was very exposing of that whole practice of weddings uh where I like I went hiking with a few friends during the pandemic like the beginning months. I think it was like back in like April of 2020 and two people with like two of their best friends and a photographer got married on top of a mountaintop. It was just the five of them. And then they were like, we're going to Applebee's after this. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's so one adorable. Like that was like the cutest little wedding I'd ever seen. But it was like, wow, like now they have the rest of their lives together and, and they get to have that. And I mean, like I, I want, I want a lot of people in my wedding. I know that, but like I, I'm also, I like am mulling over. Like, okay, like, do should I, should I talk to whoever I end up getting married to if I if I get married and be like, do we need anything super elaborate? Like, we can just have like a gathering and, I mean, we can give people a good time, but we don't have to break the bank for this because it's like I'd rather prepare for the next twenty years than the next two hours. Yep. You know what I really wish would have happened? I wish we would have had like a potluck at our wedding. 
That would have been amazing. <laughs> Instead of being like, here, let me sit down, count your plates, have name tags, being like straight up, whoever's coming, like bring your own dinner, like bring your own dish. And like everybody just try some. That would be so awesome. I'm, I wish I'm... that we would have eloped looking back now because the wedding day, at least for me, felt like it was so much for other people to make other people happy. And it wasn't necessarily to celebrate like us. It was about everybody else enjoying and having fun. Like we didn't even get to eat our own dinner at either of our receptions because we were so busy. We, I didn't get to try any of our cake besides the cake that got shoved oh, up my yeah. nose by Jerry. Like <laughs> it's, it's so much about other people. And I always tell everyone now, like if they're getting married, I'm like, just elope, just do something like a destination wedding with like you and your closest family and a photographer. I'm like, that's going to be about you. Like that's going to be so intimate and, and just truly celebrating like your union more than anything. Yeah. As we're right. sitting there greeting all these people and all this stuff, I'm just like leaning over to Brianna being like, I'm so done standing. I just want to go home. I literally just want to go home and go to sleep. And she's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it was just such a long long day filled with meeting all these expectations and as you're living it like you realize that like mm-hmm. it was a great day but it, it really did feel like we were just trying to meet a lot of expectations mm-hmm. i understand that i have the bias of i'm not married nor have i been engaged so it's like someone could easily be like well you don't know what you're talking about and i'm like yeah, that's fair <laughs> but i'm also like like I, like it, from having gone to weddings i'm like if you if you didn't have all the elaborate stuff I, like and you're like you could be like it's for me like i want it and it's like great good for you uh, like know that like if you fed me nothing one please inform me because then i'll make prior plans and pack something. <laughs> but like i got man's got to eat but like I'm, I'm there to celebrate you not like you don't have to feel like you have to do anything for me i i think it's weird that i think it's weird that we make people pay to have other people come like like my birthday's in a couple days and Mm -hmm. i'm going home um to to see some friends and i'm gonna have like a a gathering um and i'm doing bring your own dinner and i'm like in my mind i was like why on earth did i ever even consider like why would i buy a bunch of pizzas for other people to celebrate me doesn't it make more sense for them to celebrate me by <laughs> by by buying the pizzas or something like that, and I was like, I don't know. Now I can just get what they want, and no one can complain about the food because mm-hmm. <laughs> they bought it. I don't know. That's that's a that's not in the book. That's just that's just free. Yeah, that's- I think that's just at any point in our life, you know, you know, especially Americans, we are very bad with social pressures and social media pressures and the fear of missing out, and you know that I, I haven't downloaded tiktok yet <laughs> people still look at me like i'm crazy like why the heck haven't you done that no, no, just to just to join a trend where just, a bunch of other people are doing the same trend over and over again on repeat you know it just just to say they did it like everyone else like it's it's really a fascinating concept yeah you don't you don't gotta get tiktok jerry don't don't touch <laughs> you it's yeah, i'm i'm very excited for once the book comes out and i feel like i'm marketed well that I'm going to get off of it or at the very least like take like a long break from it. Cause I just have spent way too much time trying to market on it. It really like the algorithm really is like, it's addicting. I don't know how they, they it's, it's the longer form of vine, but it's way more addicting than vine ever was. All right. Well, I've had a good time talking with you and I think we've about uh, expired here on our amount of time we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, those are some, we've had a really good conversation, some really good points. I, I look forward to um, getting our own copy, you know, of your book and uh, we'll definitely 
be promoting that on our Instagram, you know, for our followers to um, look into getting for themselves. So to kind of wrap up, Landon, your final thoughts, what, what would you like to share with our listeners if you could look them all in the face right now and give them the best advice um, or guidance about how they can detox their own Christian dating life um, and how they can really feel, I guess, God's love, like in all aspects of their life, especially as single people, what would you tell them? What would be the advice you'd give them? You are extraordinarily loved by a grace-filled God who died on the cross for you and you did not deserve it. Like you are already loved as it is and you don't need to find your worth in a physical human being who would potentially be your spouse. It's great if you find one, but it's not the end of the world if you don't. Your life is not without meaning. Your life is not without purpose. Were you to not get married, you have the commissioning of making disciples. And that is a wonderful, wonderful calling that we do not do nearly enough and do not emphasize nearly enough in the church. So as a result of that, if you were to pursue a relationship with somebody, if you are to interact with anybody in a romantic context, provide clarity. Use the word date if you're going to ask somebody out on a date. Be clear with your intentions. Be clear if you happen to break up with as as far as taking personal responsibility instead of just trying to shift all the blame onto God. Take personal responsibility. Provide in gentleness. Provide the reasons you want to break up with somebody. Don't just tell them, oh, God told me that he wants us to break up. If you actually were like, no, they're just weird. Like, give people something to work on. Just be considerate about how uh, how can I best serve this person, even in breaking up? How can I love them even though we are breaking up? How can I look not only to my own interests, but also to the interests of others in relationships? Don't over-spiritualize everything, but take everything towards the Father. Seek wise counsel on everything. But just talk things out. Communication is a skill that will help you regardless of where you go, regardless of whether you're in a business relationship or a romantic relationship. And communication can only help you in dating, and it can especially help you in a marriage. And uh, if you really want to detox your relationship, you're going to have to buy my book. <laughs> Good <laughs> no, plug. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. We, I love that. I love that summary. I love what, what you've said. A lot of those points have hit several of our episodes on Single to Sealed. Like we, we just right in line with us. We have the same like goal as we feel like people have, have, are in a, in a modern world with different expectations about dating that need to get back into alignment with you know ways that will help us find true and lasting love and a lot of that is getting around these social pressures that you're talking about and finding the correct pendulum swing right the world is going to tell us one thing about dating tell us that like we should be having one night stands every weekend and that marriage sucks it's just a piece of paper and then we have the other end of christian dating which is telling us that we have to be married married by 22 or we're a failure we have to pop out 12 kids you know all these things find that pendulum understand your worth like landon is saying and your true calling, like he said, which is to share the gospel with others and to help others feel God's love. And then if we happen to get married and find someone that's amazing, that's wonderful, but it's not the whole meaning of this life and finding that nice pendulum swing. Um, And 
to wrap up, Landon, will you share with our listeners the full name of your book, how to find your book, how to find you, and anything else that you want them to know so they can connect with you? Yeah, uh, it is Detox Christian Dating, an Examination and Detoxification of Christian Dating Culture, coming to Amazon, uh, I believe, October 16th. That There's a slim possibility that might change uh, like a few days later, but uh, right now I'm aiming for October 16th. Uh, if you want to keep up with any of my social media stuff, because I do TikToks all the time, it's at Detox Christian Dating on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and you can also find my personal pages through those as well. Um, but I'm a little, I'm a lot less interesting in my personal life than my book life. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, the the one last thing that I I feel like I I need to emphasize with like kind of a, kind of a summarizing summarizing of detoxing Christian dating, show grace to others, give people space to breathe, and recognize that we are sinful people that live in a fallen world that are saved by the grace of the Father. Like we we are not going to get everything right. By reading this book, even me writing the book, I do not get everything right. And I trust that even in y'all's marriage, y'all don't get everything right. And so we need to show grace to other people, but also have we need to have high but realistic standards for people's character and for people's actions. No, I totally agree with that. I don't um, agree with one thing. He says that we don't get things right all the time, babe. Yeah, everyone can't be us. Our our marriage is perfect. We never fight. We never have issues. Like after our marriage day, like it's been totally perfect. It was like it was then. wrong of me to assume. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> we're we're the same person. We always agree. <laughs> Kids didn't change anything at all either. <laughs> oh gosh, no. yeah, yeah. yeah. We're being sarcastic. If the listener isn't able to catch on right now, <laughs> they're gonna give us the one star review. <laughs> all right landon hey man it's been such a pleasure having you we're so happy to get to know you as a person and your platform and we we love having another person out there that feels a lot like we do about about our christian dating and the need for you know a little bit of guidance so thanks for coming on the podcast for everyone who's listened to today's podcast make sure you show him some love make sure you show our podcast some love if you haven't already followed subscribe make sure you do and leave us a good review we still don't have enough reviews. I know a lot of you guys are listening and not leaving reviews, so I'm mad at you today. <laughs> <laughs> so please do that. We would really appreciate that. And um, you got anything else to add, Brianna? No, that's everything. I think you and Landon, you guys summed it up great. So thank you for listening. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.